Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. So I don't know how you've been lately. I know I've talked to some of you guys before service. I hope that you guys are all, all having a great week, a great day. Um, I want to give you guys a quick little life update, what's going on right now in the Rivera home. If that's cool with you guys, if this all ties into the message. Um, as most of you may know, my sister Haley, um, she recently got engaged to my future uh, brother-in-law, Caleb Slavic. I'm so excited, so thrilled for them. Happened about a month ago or so. But I'm so excited for them. And uh, with marriage comes starting a new life together. I don't know if you ever remember, you know, you know, maybe you're married, maybe you're single. I don't know if you remember whenever you first got married, the transitions that took place, you know, getting prepared for the wedding, after the wedding, moving into your apartment, moving into your home. Well, my sister and Slavic have been preparing to move uh, and, and get ready for the future. And, you know, what comes with, you know, marriage is starting a new life and also moving out. And it hit me and it hit my family recently that Haley's going to be moving out here pretty soon. Like, oh, my gosh, like, honestly, she's been with us for the past 25 years. I think, you know, I think you're going to be just fine, but she's going to be moving out here pretty soon. So it's bittersweet. It's something that me and my family haven't really experienced uh, yet because nobody in the family, none of their, my parents' kids, you know, none of us have moved out yet. Uh, and it's bittersweet because it's, it's going to be, a, you know, trying to get used to Haley not being around as much. She's still going to come in. Um, but then me and my dad realized that we're going to have a spare room in the house. Oh, yeah, we began talking, we began plotting about, about what we're going to be doing, like, later on in the future, the possibilities, like, later, later on, and we're just, like, plant, so we're going to miss you, Haley, but that did make it a little bit more sweet, if I'm being honest, okay? Um, but she's getting ready to move out, and honestly, I, I, I can't even, like, imagine, 25 years, you've been with us for 25 years, and, and now you're going to be transitioning out, and the reason that I say that is this, the reason that I say that is this, um, because I believe um, that every believer is going to get to a moment in his or her lifetime where God's going to ask you, he's going to challenge you, he's going to encourage you to step out of what is familiar and step into something that is foreign. Maybe something that you're not used to. You may be in that season right now. You're stepping into a new season. You feel like God's leading you to something right now. And you may be asking yourself, like, why, does, why is God wanting me to do that? Why does God do that? Why did God do that in the Bible? Because God knows that you can never grow in your comfort zone. God knows that you can't grow in your comfort zone. See, the only way we can mature into who God has called us to be and enter into our promised land, go into our destiny, is by taking steps of faith and moving out of our comfort zone. Now, Caleb Slavic delivered and preached a great message this last Wednesday called Prolonged Promises. If you did not hear it yet, you should totally go check it out on the YouTube channel and on the podcast. And he's talked about how your attitude plays a big factor and a big role when it comes to entering into promises or receiving promises that God has for you in your life. And I didn't hear this until about like a day or two ago, Slavic's message. And as I was putting together this message over a week ago, you know, and I heard his message, I said, God, this is only you because this falls right in line with what Slavic had talked about last week. So I encourage you to go and check it out. But what I want to talk about tonight is moving out of your comfort zone. Moving out of your comfort zone. And that's the sermon title for tonight. It's called Moving Out. Turn to your neighbor and say, pack your bags. Now turn to your second option and say, it's time to move out. It's time to move out. Um, growing up, growing up, getting out of my comfort zone was always pretty tough for me. 
I remember pretty vividly the first time that I ever preached. Um, I was in eighth grade, and I was asked to preach to our youth group, and I was terrified, honestly. And I, I was asked to speak. I had never put together a message before, uh, never written a sermon, never, you know, stood in front of a lot of people and delivered a speech. But I felt called to do it, something that I've always admired and wanted to do, seeing my dad do it every week. I thought to myself, how hard could it be to write a message? How hard could it be to speak? So I go back home. I'm a student. I'm in eighth grade. I'm standing in front of a blank piece of paper, and I sit there, and I scribble on it. I write on it. I put down ideas, and an hour or two goes by, and I get nowhere. And I'm like, I'm like this is so much harder than it looks. I mean, you know what I mean? I was like, this is so tough. Anyways, I go to my dad, and I say, Dad, you probably remember this. I said, Dad, I got a problem. I'm supposed to speak, but I have no idea what to speak on, you know, something that was completely out of my comfort zone. So my dad sat down with me at the kitchen table. And he helped me put together a message. And I'm pretty sure he did like 80 or 90% of the work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, that's good. That's good. My dad's got bars. Like, that's good, Dad. You put that down. You know, you said it better than me. Yeah, let's, okay, that sounds great. So the day came where I was finally going to speak to our student ministry. I was excited. Um, but then I was also nervous. So I step up, and my friends are hyping me up. They're like, Caleb, bro, you're going to do it, man. You're a PK pastor's kid. You're going to do awesome, bro. You're going to kill it. And they're hyping me up. And I step up, and I have my sermon notes. I forgot what I even spoke on. I don't even think I have the notes anymore. And I had this manuscript. It was like a word-by-word sermon. And I opened it up, and I began to just speak it. And once I looked down, I probably didn't look up, but like once or twice throughout the whole three-minute message. <laughs> because at the end of the three minutes, I went through all the notes. I went through everything. I looked up, and I had no idea what to say. Now, it was just like completely awkward. I'm telling you, I looked up, and I was just like, well, God bless you guys. And I, like, walked off, and then, like, I'm pretty sure some people were like, is that it? Is he just, like, is he just done? Like, what's going on? Anyways, and, I, and afterward, I, I began to ask God, God, like, how come, you know, if this is something that you've called me to do, I've, you know, I've received words in my life, I feel like this is something that I'm called to do, how come it isn't easier? How come I don't feel too comfortable? How far this, how come this is so far outside of my comfort zone? And God spoke to me, and he said this. He said, Caleb. Your calling is not in your comfort zone. He said, Caleb, your calling is not in your comfort zone. And I thank God that I've had multiple opportunities. And uh, I thank God for the grace of God. I thank you, Lord. I thank God for his spirit. I thank you, God, for just opportunities for my, my parents to allow me to, to allow me to speak like, like tonight. And every time that I've stepped up on stage, I just said, God, you know, just I want to just serve your people. I want to love your people. And I feel like God just met me every single time. And he meets me. And every time I step up, I feel like I grow outside of my comfort zone. I'm sharing a little bit of personal stuff with you guys. I feel like I'm stepping out and I'm growing out of my comfort zone. Now I have a hard time, guys, writing too much material, writing too much content that God gets me that I have to nitpick and be like, okay, God, maybe I can fit this in here, add this next time or whatever. But I just want to let somebody in here know tonight that you got to realize that your calling is not in your comfort zone. Notice how anyone who ever did anything great in the Bible had to first step outside of their comfort zone. Abram, who later is known as Abraham, he's called to be the father of God's chosen nation. But before he can do that, God asked him, God asked him to pack up all of his possessions, get his family, and move to a foreign land and become a nomad. Or you got Jonah. Jonah is asked and he's called by God to go and deliver a message to a sinful city called Nineveh, even though he didn't want to go. 
or Moses. Moses is asked by God to deliver a word to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. But did you know that Moses also had a speech impediment? Or Esther, who's the one that approached the king, went to the king's throne room unannounced, what she could have died for, by the way, going unannounced into the king's throne room to plead for mercy for the nation of Israel. And because she did that, she saved the whole nation of Israel from genocide. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow down to the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had built up. They, they refused to do that because they stuck to their values. And they got thrown in the fiery furnace. And I, I, have, a, I have a feeling that that's not too comfortable. And they get thrown in the fiery furnace, but then God is with them. They come out, and they turn a whole nation because of their obedience. The whole nation turns to God. And the most greatest example of all time is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was called to save the world, but he first had to suffer on the cross. The Savior of the world, but first he had to suffer on the cross. See, the common denominator in all these stories is that they decided to move out by faith because this is what I've learned. Whenever we move out, God moves in. When God, whenever we move out, God moves in. See, our job is obedience, and God's job is outcome. I don't want to just do what I want to do. I don't want to live for me, myself, and I. I want to be sure that I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit, to God, God speaking to me, through, through other people, through his word, just from hearing that still small voice that I'm obedient to what God wants to do. Our job is obedience and God's job is outcome. So what makes us think that if these men and women of God had to move out of their comfort zone, that God won't ask us to do the same thing? See, one of the best Bible verses that mention this is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, where it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. This is probably one of my favorite scriptures of all time. I mean, this is a great and powerful scripture, and I don't think I need to really expound on it anymore. I think we understand what it means. And honestly, tonight, if you're wanting a deep revelatory word that's just going to maybe knock your socks off or blow your mind, I don't think I brought that tonight. I feel like God told me to, like, bring a word that's plain and simple and straightforward just, just to encourage someone tonight that you can step out of your comfort zone. And whatever God has promised and spoken over your life will come to pass. Your job is obedience. God's job is outcome. Amen? So I want tonight to be very simple because I've learned this. We understand what the scripture means, right? And we understand what a lot of scriptures mean in the Bible. But I've learned that people don't have a hard time understanding what the Bible says. People have a hard time obeying what the Bible says. I'm telling you right now, I mean, you can get some theological debates. But honestly, it's all meaningless if we don't follow the simple commandments and words that God has asked us to follow. You know, for example, we're, we're called to forgive people, right? We're called to forgive people. We're called to forgive everyone. But then how come some of us refuse to forgive people? We hold grudges, we hold bitterness, we hold unforgiveness, or we're called to love our neighbor as ourself, right? But then we pick and choose who we love and who we hate. Or God called us to not be stingy or not be greedy, but some of us won't even share our Chick-fil-A french fries with our family. I mean, honestly, there's some things that God has called us to do. I really do wonder, I say that to say this, I wonder what would happen instead of us looking for the next deep uh, revelatory uh, word from God that we just simply 
followed and obeyed what God has already spoken and what we've already heard in our life, and we just trust in God. It's the simple things that we can do, the little things that we can do that make a big difference. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to move. It's time to move. And as I began to study, I began to realize why God calls us to move out of our comfort zone. First, it's to accomplish his will. First, it's accomplish his will, his plan, his purpose here on this earth. And secondly, it's to change us for the good. The reason that we step out of our comfort zone, it's to change us for the good. See, I just want to let you know tonight, God loves you so much. And God loves each and every single one of you guys just the way that you are. But God loves you way too much to keep you the way that you are. He loves you each so, so much, but he loves you way too much to keep you the way you are. And when God wants to change you, God will begin to challenge you. You had no idea, Pastor, you know, Dad, that you had no idea, Pastor Dad, <laughs> you had no idea that I was even going to talk about challenges and changing. Slavic didn't either, so I just feel like right now the Holy Spirit's just orchestrating this whole thing because this is a big part of my message. I really would love for you guys to tune in and just listen to what I'm about to say. See, when God wants to change you, he will begin to challenge you. See, you can't even say the word challenge without the word change being in it. You can't say the word challenge without the word change being in it. See, a lot of times we want God to change us. We say, God, change me. God, shape me. God, mold me. I've learned that God cannot mold what, what, what he is not able to hold, that you have to be able to submit to God and say, God, change me, right? But a lot of times when we say, God, change me, what we're really saying is, God, challenge me. God, challenge me, because if we're not challenged, I don't even know if we're truly being changed. See, he challenges us through his word, through his spirit, and other people. See, right now, God could be challenging you. He could be challenging you to start praying every day. Start praying every single day, five minutes a day, ten minutes a day. Whenever you wake up, before you go to bed, I'm telling you, you'll be better. You'll be a better father. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better boss. Whenever you start your day off with the one who created the heavens and the earth, and you say, God, I just pray that your will be done today. I, I, I pray to you today. I give you worship. I give you honor. I, I, pay, I start my day off in your presence or maybe to start tithing, to start giving generously to God's house, where you say to yourself, God, I would much rather trust you with 90% of my income than trust myself with 100% of my income. Maybe God's beginning to challenge you, he's beginning to challenge you to start fasting, to start serving, to evangelize with someone, to forgive someone, to maybe even start a side business that could eventually grow into a full-time business. Maybe even eat healthy and work out consistently. I didn't even expect to get any hand claps. That's something I'm still trying to do. I'm just going to let you know real quick, we only have one body here on this earth, you know, and I know that we have a home in heaven, but I want to be sure that I take care of the temple, the Holy Spirit that God has entrusted me with and take care of my body. Honestly, or start or finish your college or school education. What is God challenging you with right now in this moment? See, what is it that God is calling you to do that you aren't willing to take on due to your comfort? What is it that God is challenging you to do that you're not willing to do due to your comfort? Random question, but it relates into what I'm about to talk about. Anybody in here have a goldfish or had a goldfish in the past? I don't know. My parents, I went through a lot of different goldfish. Yeah, they threw one up there right there on the screen. So, you know, they say the average goldfish size, size is uh, one to two inches. And as I did preparation for this message, one thing that blew my mind was, you know, and I don't know how I ended up on goldfish and how I relate to the message, God knows. 
I don't know. But anyway, so as I did some studying, did you know that if you took this goldfish, a pet goldfish, this is a small goldfish in, 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 in a fishbowl. If you took this goldfish and put it in a larger body of water, you put it in a river, you put it in a lake, you put it in a pond. Did you know that this goldfish can grow so much larger than what it is? Here's, here's a, if this is the same goldfish, average goldfish in a small fishbowl, one to two inches, but the same goldfish thrown into a larger body of water, because you can leave it in that fishbowl and it will stay the same size, but you put it in a larger body of water, it can grow up to 12 to 14 inches. See, it's the same exact goldfish. The difference is it's in a different environment. Oh, man. You, get what, you know where I'm going right now. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to mature you. He wants to grow you. And he wants to develop you. But he can't do it with, with where you're at right now. So whenever God begins to challenge you, challenge you, he wants to change you. He wants to change you. You may feel like you're being stressed out right now. You may feel like things are stressing you out right now. But could it be everything that's stressing you out right now, it's actually stretching you into who God has called you and called you to be. Come on. The difference is the environment. One's in the fishbowl, one's in the wild. It's the environment that makes all the difference. I'm thankful that my God can even use the things the enemy threw at me. The things that the enemy threw at me. The things that I may have messed up myself. Trouble that I, you ever got yourself into some trouble? Like honestly, like honestly, like the devil maybe had a little part to play with it. But most of the time it's like 90% our fault, but I'm thankful that my God in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 can work all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And you know the amazing thing about us Christians? The amazing thing about us Christians is that we're known to thrive even in challenging moments, even in challenging moments and a harsh environment. See, within the first 300 years of Christianity, uh, Christians were heavily persecuted. 300 years after Jesus rose in the Roman Empire, Christians were heavily persecuted. Uh, but yet the church still grew. It still blossomed. It still flourished. You know, Christians were beaten. They were bruised. They were boiled. Um, they were complete. They were just like beat up a whole bunch. They were fed to lions. Um, they were tortured until death. They were crucified. Just like Jesus, Peter was actually crucified upside down. But yet the church still grew. See, the church did not establish or get established by early Christians from success to success, but it was established from sacrifice to sacrifice. See, the early church and Christians, they were like lily pads. You, you take one out and like many others would come and take its place. That's how it was for the early church. It didn't matter how much, you know, how much hell the church had went through. They just still grew. They still flourished. They, they, just, they just grew, and it was awesome. But then in 300 A.D., something interesting happened. An emperor in Rome called Constantine had legalized Christianity. And whenever he legalized Christianity, whenever he legalized Christianity, the persecution of Christians stopped, and the early Christians began to live in a much more uh, welcoming society and comfortable environment. And what ended up happening is that the Christians began to discover that it was much more difficult. You guys follow me tonight? It was much more difficult to uphold and keep a strong spiritual life in an atmosphere that is peaceful and too comfortable. And what ended up happening is a lot of the, the Christians, whenever Christianity was legalized, they began to be absorbed by the standards of the world, and they began to neglect the things of God, all because they became too comfortable. 
They became too comfortable. Other Christians began to notice and realize this. So what they decided to do is they decided to get uncomfortable. So Christians rallied together, and they said, you know what? We got to get out of this place. We got to get out of this environment. And maybe this is a little extreme, but what they ended up doing is they, they left their communities, they left their societies, and they went by themselves independently to different places in the wilderness and in the desert, and, and they would pretty much they would get away from everything else in order to get closer to God. And what they would do was they would pray, they would fast, they would engage in spiritual warfare, and other people that were still in the community, still in the cities, would go out and go talk to these people that would go and isolate themselves. They would go out and isolate themselves. But the problem was, since they isolated themselves, they decided that they weren't going to go back into society. They weren't going to go back into the community. So they had some issues with that when it comes to interacting with other people. And they were nicknamed hermits. I think that's where it came from, the word hermit. They were nicknamed hermits. I'm going somewhere tonight. But here's the thing. They didn't fulfill God's commission. They didn't fulfill what Jesus said to do fully. Yes, they got closer to God. Yes, they heard from God. But we're called to go into all nations. We're called to go back into our community. You're called to go back into your schools. You're called to go back to your workplaces. You're called to go back to your families and be reflectors of Jesus Christ. But these people didn't do that. So I want to say this real quick. Too. I want to add this on here. This is extra. Being a Christian is not about just you and God. But it's also about you, God, and community. That we are stronger together as a church. And one of the best things that you can do is surround yourself with like-minded Christians and get planted in a life-giving church like ours. And sometimes, just like those people had to do in a different way, not speaking literally doing what they did, sometimes we have to draw away from the ways of this world in order to become more radical followers of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying for you to go to Riverside or go to a different forest somewhere and live off of locusts and wild honey or anything like that. But all I'm saying tonight is this. We cannot become so casual to the things of God. See, you think the church, the early church, would prosper if the church wasn't underneath persecution. If they, if they, you think the early church would, would prosper more if they were more comforted, if they had more freedom. But no, that wasn't the case. The church actually prospered more whenever they were uncomfortable and whenever they were pressured by other people. That's powerful, right? See, and there's a pattern. There's a pattern that you can follow in Scripture where you, will find, where you will find individuals who decided to stay in their comfort zone and, and other people that begin to act casually towards God. And I want to give you guys an example. So Jesus, for example, and I'm talking about people that treated the things of God casually, that were in their comfort zone. Jesus was once approached. You guys following me tonight? Jesus was once approached by this rich young ruler. I think you know this story, right? This rich young ruler approaches Jesus, and, and he says, you know, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus began to go over the law, the requirements, right, the commands. And he responded back by saying, hey, I've done all those things since I was a little kid. And Jesus said, that's great, but there's still one last thing that you need to do before you can follow me. Sell all of your possessions, give it all to the poor, and then come and follow after me. But it says that he walked away full of grief because he had many possessions, because he was too comfortable. He, didn't, he would much rather keep his possessions than follow after Jesus. Or Samson. Samson was literally sleeping with the enemy. He was disobedient to the Nazarite vow that he had taken, and he was disobedient to God. And due to his disobedience, that led to his downfall because he got too comfortable and he became too casual. 
David, you know the reason that David fell into sin? He fell into adultery. He fell into murder. It's because David, at the time, whenever he was back at home base, chilling, hanging out, acting casual, you know that he was actually supposed to be in battle the moment that he saw Bathsheba? He was supposed to be in battle on the front lines with his best friend, with Uriah, but he decided to stay back. And because he stayed back, he fell into sin. He fell into an entrapment. Why? Because he became too idle and he became too comfortable. So the reason I say that tonight is this. You have to be sure that you don't treat God too casually. Because whenever you treat God too casually, you can actually become a casualty. That's good, right? When you begin to treat God casually, you can actually become a casualty. See, people who get too comfortable will begin to stumble. People who get too comfortable can begin to stumble, just like the early church. And here's another thing. If the enemy can't get you with tribulation, he will try to get you with relaxation. That's good, right? I'm just going to let that sit and soak for a minute so you can get that on the inside. Let that marinate. If the enemy cannot get you a tribulation, he will try to get you with relaxation. So I'm not saying tonight, don't walk away from here saying, okay, I can't take any vacations. I can't take a day off. I can't take any rest days. I can't press pause. I can't do any of those things. No, I'm not saying to do that. But I am saying that it's not God's will for you to be a casual Christian who lives in their comfort zone for the rest of their life. See, there's no such thing as staying in the same place. There's no such thing, don't say to yourself, I'm just going to stay right here and I'll remain right here. No, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. There's no such thing as staying in the same place. Psalm chapter 23 verse 4 uh, quotes this uh, beautifully. It says this, and I think we're familiar with the scripture. It says, even though I walk through the, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, what does it say? Comfort me. This is David who wrote this psalm. David the psalmist, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice the tension in this text. David, or whoever he's talking about proverbially, he's walking through an environment that is uncomfortable. There's darkness. There's potentially enemies. But even though he's walking through an uncomfortable environment, he says that he finds comfort with God. See, there's a big difference. I want you guys to grab a hold of this. There's a big difference between being comforted and being uncomfortable. We are meant to find comfort in Jesus, but that doesn't mean that our life should be comfortable. See, whenever we find comfort in God, whenever we receive from God, we're called to give back to God or give back to other people. See, we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We need to step out. So in other words, let me give it to you practically. I want you to understand this. That's why someone who gets diagnosed with a life-threatening illness or disease, where everything's chaotic on the outside, where everything seems to be falling apart, they get diagnosed with cancer, and everything seems crazy, everything's uncomfortable, but something inside of them tells them, the Holy Spirit, guess what, he's the great comforter, begins to tell them, hey, everything's going to be totally fine, and everything's going to be all right. So you can walk through the shadow of the valley, you can walk through the valley of death, and you can still feel that peace. You can still feel that comfort. Or maybe your, your family or someone's family is just, just falling apart. There's so much confusion. There's so much adversity. But then something begins to happen where God begins to speak to the wife. He begins to speak to the husband. He begins to speak to the children. The Holy Spirit comes in and say, hey, it's all going to be all right. Or God calls you to a different city. God calls you to a different career. And it may seem uncomfortable. It may feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm going out of my comfort zone, but I want to let you know tonight, you have peace through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ that you can access, that even though you go through the most uncomfortable moments in life, you can feel the peace of God. Anybody thankful for that? Give Jesus a hand clap. 
I think the problem is, I think the problem is we want to play it safe all the time. We play it safe too much. Um, whenever Hurricane Harvey had hit, you know, we as a family decided that we were going to go stay with my Aunt Carmen in, um, in Houston. That probably wasn't the best idea because we stay in Houston. And while we're in Houston, we notice that Houston's getting quite a bit of rainfall. And the night that Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, we're in my Aunt Carmen's living room. And I take a glance outside, and the road is just flooding. And my dad's vehicle is in the road. And I have to go out there because I'm freaking out because it's about to be just over flooded and the water's still rising. I go out. I move the car into the driveway where it's more at an angle to where the water can't rise up above it. And it was just crazy. And we become trapped in Houston. We're stuck there for almost, like, for days and days. And we're like, oh, my goodness. Like, it was, it was crazy. See, we thought we were going to a place of safety, but it ended up becoming a stronghold. We thought it was a place of safety, but it ended up becoming a stronghold. See, sometimes what we think is a place of safety can actually become a stronghold, can actually be a stronghold in our lives. There's some safety parameters that we set up. And I understand, I'm not saying not to use wisdom. I'm not saying not to be led by the Holy Spirit. But all I'm saying is there's some walls that we've set up in our lives for our safety, for our comfort, that, that can actually stop us from going where God has called us to go. See, maybe you came here. Maybe you came here and you come, from, you come from a church where you have past hurt, where there's offenses, where things took place, or, or maybe you came out of a, a broken relationship or a, a bad relationship, and because you came out of that relationship, you have these walls and you have these barriers where you don't allow any new relationships in your life, and now instead of allowing other people to hurt you, you just hurt other people before they can hurt you because you think that everybody's out to get you, and it stops you from growing your relationship. It stops you from serving in church, maybe at the level that God has called you to serve in church. Maybe you had a failed business venture, and, and because you had a failed business venture, number one, you may not be too good at business, you may want to go work for other people, but sometimes I've learned that it takes the second one and the third one to really grow. And because you had a failed business venture, you don't attempt anything new. Maybe you had one bad experience reaching out to someone, evangelizing to someone, and, and something happened. It was just a bad experience, left a bad taste in your mouth, and now you don't share Jesus with anyone. You don't invite anyone to church. Don't let your safety become a stronghold in your life. I don't know if anybody has some safety barriers that they've set up right now. They, they, you think it's safety. You think it's helping you. But sometimes it can actually be hurting you. It can be hurting. You guys follow me tonight? See. God never called us to play it safe all the time. He never called us to play it safe all the time. So before we go, I want to give you guys some practical um, ways for us to move out of our comfort zone. Because I believe that when we move out, I believe that whenever we move out by faith, we move out of our comfort zone, that before we move out, some things have to move on. Before we move out, some things need to move on. I want to list four things that need to move on from our lives in order for us to be everything that God has called us to be. The first thing that has to move on in order for us to step out of our comfort zone is passivity. Somebody say passivity. See, you are not called to be a passive Christian. Passive people say, oh, well, whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens, happens. And they use that as an excuse to not be intentional, to not be involved, to not be purposeful in what they do. They say, whatever happens, happens. It's, I'm going to let the wind I'm going to let the wind take me wherever it needs to take me. I'm just going to be passive. But passive people will look down and then they'll look up, not even realizing that 10 years have went by and they haven't made any progress whatsoever. Don't be lazy. Somebody say don't be lazy. Don't be lazy, honestly. I don't know when's the last time you heard that at church. 
But don't be a passive Christian. Don't be lazy. See, some things won't get done until you take the initiative. And I got to give a plug right here. My girlfriend is a great example of someone who takes the initiative and someone who is not passive. I'm earning brownie points. Is that cool with you guys real quick, okay? See, one thing I love about you, Brooklyn, is you get things done. Honestly, you really do get things done. See, she's passionate. One thing she's passionate about, she's passionate about helping people that are in sex trafficking or in modern-day slavery. She likes bringing awareness to that. And, and one thing I heard from Brooklyn, one, something she shared with me and I've heard from her family, is that Brooklyn, she's not passive when it comes to this topic. But she's actually spoken at different events on public platforms in front of people, and she's impacted them by delivering this message of awareness to make them aware of what's actually going on in the world. And this is a real problem. There's actually more slaves now than there ever been throughout human history. There's more slaves right now. So the reason I say that is this. Some things won't change until we get to work. Some things will not change. You're, at, you're telling yourself, oh, God, that thing will change. That thing will change um, by somebody else getting to it. But could it be that the reason that God has allowed you to see the need is because God actually wants you to meet the need? There's some things that we walk past and we say, oh, somebody else will do that. I'll get to that later. Or oh, whatever happens, happens. But God's saying, that's not who I've called you to be. I've called you to be intentional. I've called you to be purposeful in what you have going on in your life, that sometimes if you don't do it, nobody else will do it. I've been in this church before. I've seen different, like, you know, things that need maintenance or repair or little dysfunctions that need to be taken care of. And I used to think to myself, oh, somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will do it. But I've come to the realization that sometimes if I don't do it, nobody else will do it. And maybe God has allowed me to see it, to take care of it or delegate something to it. There's some things that are going on in your life that you're complaining about and you're, you're asking God, God, take it out of my life. But honestly, you could take care of it yourself, and it won't take you that long. Honestly, I, know, I don't know if anybody wants to give God a hand clap for that. Don't be a passive Christian. The second thing that's hold us back, that holds us back in our comfort zone is our past. Somebody say, my past. See, I think the past holds us back more than anything. Our past holds us back more than anything. And guess what? We all have a past. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future, right? We all have a past. I've done things that I'm not proud of. I've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes in our life. But sometimes we dwell in and we live in the past. We live in the past sometimes. But the, pla the, but the, but the past is a place of reference. It's not a place of residence. The past is not a place, is a place of reference, not a place of residence. In other words, your past is an education. Your past is not a destination. This is good, right? Your past is an education. It is not a destination. So your past doesn't define you. It refines you. And we must get past our past in order to move forward, to, forward into our future. There's some things that are holding us back that we got to realize that whenever we said, God, I'm sorry, God, I repent, and we turn away from those sins, that Jesus, that, that God cast the sin as far as the east is from the west. He takes our, our sin that is red as scarlet. He makes it white as snow. He takes something that's red as crimson, and he makes it white as wool. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. The moment that you said it, God said, hey, I choose to forget it. Move past your past. It doesn't have to, just because it was like that for your parents doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it has to be like that for you. Just because you made a mistake, you know, five years ago doesn't mean you have to get in the cycle and routine of doing it again and again and again. Place your faith, faith in Jesus Christ. You can't do it by your own strength, but you rely and you become dependent on the spirit of God. Give Jesus a hand clap. Get past your past. Somebody say get past your past. 
Thirdly is perfection. Perfection. This is something that I struggle with probably the most out of all four of these words. Perfection. See, for those that don't know me, I can be a little OCD. Take that however you would like to take it. I like things to be organized. I like things to be in order. And I've gotten better over the years. But what I've learned is, you know, sometimes I wait for everything to be perfect. I wait for everything to be, to be in order before I take a step of faith, before I get involved, before I get to it. But I've also learned now that perfection is the enemy of progress. Perfection is the enemy of progress. Sometimes, guys, we want to wait until everything adds up. We want to wait until everything measures up. We want to wait until the timing is right. But perfection, guys, if you wait until everything's perfect, sometimes you'll never get to it. You'll never get to it. Oh, I'll start that college education whenever the timing's right. You know, I'll try to, you know, I'll try to just come to church and I'll try, I'll try to start praying every day when, when the timing is right. I'll start fasting whenever I get something in order. I'll, I'll start doing this or that. But no, we need to take steps of faith. We need to take steps of faith. See, perfection can stop you from ever pursuing what God has in store for you. Stop chasing perfection and start chasing progress. See, sometimes we want everything to be perfect, but we lack in progress. You don't have to be perfect. I'm going to say this. You don't have to be perfect to come to this church. This church is not a place. It's not a country club for perfect people. This church is a hospital for the broken. And God loves imperfect people. We're all imperfect people. We're an imperfect church. But I thank God that we've been made righteous through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin became sin so that way we can become the righteousness of God. And we're all a work in progress. Each and every single one of us, it doesn't matter how good you dress, how good you look, we're all a work in progress. Come on, somebody. Don't let perfection hold you back. Fourthly, and this is my last one, Haley, you can come on up, is perspective. Perspective. A negative or wrong perspective keeps us from going outside of our comfort zone. See, don't let fear or doubt dictate your life. Get this. Whenever Israel saw Goliath, they saw an enemy too big to beat. But whenever David saw Goliath, he saw an enemy too big to miss. Whenever the 12 spies went into the promised land, 10 came back saying, hey, we're like grasshoppers. Father talked about it last week. We can't beat them. We're no match. But Caleb and Joshua, faith-filled children of God, came back and said, hey, we're more than able to do this. We are more than conquerors. We can go in to the promised land. See, the difference was perspective. Your perspective on any situation will change the outcome. See, you have to know tonight that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than able that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, that God is good. Say, I am more than able. Stand to your feet tonight. You guys get something out tonight. I really hope it helped you guys out. I don't know where you may be at tonight as we come to a close, but maybe you've been taking God for granted and maybe you've been treating God casually. And tonight is the night where you decide to follow him wholeheartedly. Maybe you've been li living below your means because you've been staying in what's familiar or comfortable. But tonight is the night where you can move out and you can allow other things to move on. Maybe you've been having passivity in your life. You've been having the past in your life. You've been having perfection, the idea that I'm going to wait until everything's perfect, until everything lines up. Or maybe you just had a wrong perspective. And maybe they're keeping you back from moving 
out. And God's saying tonight, hey, move out. It's time to move out. It's time to let these things move on. It's okay. Hey, I got you. Trust in me with all your heart. Lean out on your own understanding and all my ways acknowledge you and I will direct your paths. I will make them straight. So I want to pray over you guys real quick. Every head bowed, every head closed. And you can repeat this after me, honestly. You can pick your head up if you want as we say this. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Tonight, I choose to move out. I choose to let passivity move on, the past move on, perfection move on, and a wrong perspective to move on. In order for me to move out, God, show me the things. Open up my eyes to things that you can see in areas where I'm holding back and that's stepping out by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to give somebody else an opportunity right now before we leave this place. We always like to give someone an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to heaven. There's no way to the Father except through him. Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good. Jesus Christ came to make dead people alive. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, doesn't matter where you may be at right now in life, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is Lord. So I want to pray right now with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to repeat this after me as well. Maybe this is your first time saying this prayer. Maybe this is your very first time. Maybe you've said this hundreds of times. I, I want you to say it as if it's your very, very first time right now. Say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I made a mistake. I made mistakes. And I ask you to forgive me. I repent for everything I've done wrong. And I believe that you are Lord. I forgive other people too. I believe that you died, and I believe that you rose. It's in your name I pray. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.